0: But the topic that I really want to talk about today is why do we call it Good Friday? Well there's loads of reasons why it's good. I don't know about you, but um, I'm a massive fan of Easter eggs. It's a good thing. It's a good thing about Easter. I love lamb. Roast lamb. What a good thing is about the season, right? Um, Hot crust buns. Oh boy. Is that good? It's a good thing. However, when we look at the Christian story, we're remembering the time of the crucifixion. We're remembering a time where we're we're talking about Jesus going through the most gruesome possible death. To the point where even Roman philosophers uh, philosophers, philosophers said, I, I wanna ban the word of cross, I wanna ban the word crucifixion, because it's offensive to my ears and to my eyes to even hear or see it that's how bad this is and we're going to talk about it more today if we read the story across the four gospels not only do we see the crucifixion but we read about this injustice that this guy Jesus went through to get to the cross so hold up a second now hot cross buns, easter eggs, cream eggs all that stuff is good but if we look at this Christian story it could be quite hard to answer why is today a good day well, I tell you what, today truly is a good day. And what we're gonna to do today is we're gonna look at three different um, categories of people throughout the whole kind of crucifixion story to just unpack why we call today Good Friday. So I hope you have fun on this journey. I'm certainly going to have fun. Right, well, let's, let's go on to our first topic of three. The First point of three. <laughs> As I said at the beginning, I am going through and I'm trying to help us understand why today is good. Why is it called Good Friday? Well the first group that it's good for is the disciples. It's the disciples. Now what we know from the biblical story is that Jesus was with 12 disciples that he was teaching and nurturing so that they would continue the message after Jesus went that's why they call him rabbi teacher so he would teach them nudge them and then they would go on to teach others part discipling at that time was literally doing life with them live with them eat with them sleep in the same place chat with them laugh with them literally doing life all of what that is for three years straight that's a pretty long time three years just doing complete life with one another what was happening with the disciples. Therefore, you would imagine, as Jesus had their backs many of a time, you would imagine that the disciples had Jesus' back. Well, at the moment that it mattered, what we read in the story is that doesn't seem to be the case. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied, sweared, and cursed out Jesus. The rest of the disciples fled with fear of what was going on. Picture the moment. Let's not just read the story, let's remember the emotional context of this. Their saviour, their rabbi, they're looking out onto Golgotha. And they see him pinned to the cross. From wherever they are, bar Judas, wherever they are, they look and they see Jesus, their teacher, the one that they followed for three years, pinned to the cross. Put yourself in their shoes, emotionally. Put yourself in their shoes into the moment we are in their story. How can I say that today is a good day? Well, the reality is, what was happening in that moment, what was happening on the cross, is their saviour was broken for the fulfilment of what he had been saying throughout his whole three years. Jesus had kept on saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I'm the bread of life that you can feed from. I'm the fulfillment of the Passover. I will bring you life and life to the full. And though they thought it happened in a different way, Jesus was the ultimate offering, the ultimate fulfillment of all of that. That Jesus, right at the moment that they saw their Savior pinned to the cross, the disciples didn't know it, but Jesus was making the way in for all that he was saying before. Jesus was allowing access into him, into the Father, more than they could imagine. They might have lived next to Jesus, but now they can live like Jesus forever. That is a beautiful thing. Jesus restores the disciples and gives access directly to the Father. That the moment where he ascended and the Holy Spirit came, they can live with God forever. And if we look at the disciples, we see they all flee. If we look at how the disciples died, majority of them were either crucified in one way, boiled, torn apart, killed, slaughtered, murdered, martyred for their faith. Why? Because they were able to live with God forever. That's the reality. Jesus didn't leave his relationship with them on the cross. He went on the cross to restore the relationship forever with him. That's why we can call today, good. Peter even writes it in his letter, 1 Peter 2. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Today truly is a good day. Because you might be like one of the disciples. You might be in the same seat. Some of us have might have walked with Christ, might have grown up in the church, might have grown up knowing Christianity. But when it gets tough, we run away, we walk away, we flee. We say, forget you Jesus. Some of us might even curse him out and swear against him. Well, guess what? This is good news today because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has allowed us to come home, however and whenever, through Him. That even if I walk away, He is close by to draw me back home. Yeah. And as He was resurrected to new life, He has brought new life for all of us, fresh again today. That even if I was to fall into sin, Jesus' body, blood, crucifixion, has covered me as all, and I live in the resurrected life of Christ. That is a good thing to remember today. And so, if you're in that category, at the end, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you in that way. So that's the disciples. Okay, we're going to take a pause there. You'll be thankful to know. Um, And we're going to do our next game okay let's go on to our next person (laughs) if i can find a way of doing so let's go to the next one why is good friday good well another person that we can look at the story is the centurion let me quickly read out for context um, about the centurion it says in matthew 27 now from the sixth hour there was a darkness over all the land until the ninth hour and about the ninth hour jesus cried out with a loud voice saying eli eli that is my god my god why have you forsaken me and some of the bystanders hearing it said this man is calling elijah one of them at once ran took a sponge filled it with sour wine put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink but the others said let wait let us see whether elijah will come to save him jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and behold the curse of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him kept watching over Jesus, saw the earthquake, and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. It's really interesting, this character is actually captured in the gospel story. Because the centurion would have been an enemy to those who were writing it. He was Roman, which they were obviously oppressing the Jewish people at the time. He probably was quite atheist um, to the kind of Jewish gods. He would probably followed their own kind of complex god system of worshipping gods named after planets that we know of today. So, Roman, centurion, he was probably in about middle office looking after 80 to 100 people. To kind of look after them, and he would have also been part of the kind of army that would have looked after and looked over all of the capital punishments that occur. So it's really interesting that he's captured because this person, this character, is quite the enemy to those who are writing it. He would have seen countless of crucifixions occur. He would have seen loads of crucifixions occur, different types, different styles, but this one seemed different to him the way, the style, the whole atmosphere. He would have heard all the crying going on, all the jeering going on, all the agony of pain. He would have seen how Jesus was treated. He would have seen kind of the comments made to Jesus. He would have heard the crying out of Jesus at the moment of death. He would also have heard the earthquake that occurred. He would have heard later about the, kind of the curtain tearing into two. ...from the temple and heard about these bodies raising back to life. The centurion who had, would have seen countless upon countless... ...oversaw countless upon countless crucifixions. This one stuck out to him enough that he would make a declaration... ...that he wouldn't have imagined or saying. He made a declaration, looked at Jesus, looked at what occurred... ...and made a statement... After examining the situation, after witnessing something different, he said, truly, this man, this man was the son of God. He would have read the inscription above Jesus' cross, where it says King of the Jews, and his statement is to say, this is who he was. He was the son of God. Now again, the question comes, how can you say that this is good? Well, it turned to be a good day for the centurion as the realisation of Jesus being the son of God became a revelation that would not just impact his day, but would impact his destiny. This revelation that Jesus was who he said he was came into fruition. That no longer was this statement something that he would casually make, but a statement from the heart to say that his destiny forever would change. It's the same for us today. As we look at the cross, wherever your relationship is with Christianity, hey, you, you might like it, you might hate it. You might have seen it, you might have grown up in it. You might detest it. Hey, you might be an atheist to it. But there's a moment where everyone has Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection put in front of you, and we all have a decision to make. Multiple documentation, not only the Bible, but other historical documentations, talks about Jesus' death and notes his resurrection. So therefore, it's up to all of us to weigh up the evidence and to say, what do I truly believe? It's not based on your parents, it's not based on what other people say to you, it's based on what your, your opinion of Jesus is. And that decision to say, I look at the evidence, And I want to take a step of faith to believe in this loving God, this loving Father that was sent His Son to die on the cross, this Son who is the Son of God, this Son who is the Saviour, this Son who is the King of all, this decision to say, this is God. That realisation of the significance of His death brings resurrection of new life to you. That is why today is a good day. Day. it's a good day because we're faced with jesus and can make a decision of new life and declaring that this god was truly this man was truly who he said he was as the messiah it's a good day yeah it's a good day what we're going to do now we're just going to watch a bit of a video and then i'm going to come up to to preach and finish at the end over to the video
1: It was Friday afternoon and Jesus is dead. His brutalized body hanging without life on a cross dropped into a hole in the dirt. His executioners had dug the holes, prepared the place and done their job with ruthless efficiency. This wasn't how it was supposed to be, the hope of mankind, overcome by powers of hell, by the shadow of a grave. We once knew what it was like to rule and reign on the earth. We were made to live in the light, in relationship, in purpose. We were made for more than what we've come to accept as normal. Ever since the garden, Satan and his kingdom have been tightening their grip. Darkness has ruled evil, chaos, suffering, hopelessness. We've been enslaved and crippled by the holes the enemy has been digging for us too. But instead of killing the Messiah, the cross became a catalyst for salvation. The hole that was dug to hold an instrument of shame and death was instead filled with an instrument to bring healing and new life. That's the way God is. Nothing is impossible with Him. He's always restoring, always renewing, always able to take what was meant for evil and turn it for good, to take our graves and turn them into gardens. Why? Because He never gave up on His plan. He has never given up on us. He knows what we don't, that you can't have resurrection life without death. Jesus he died so we can have lives of purpose and power over the grave He is not dead. He is alive and because he lives we can live again
0: Wow, I love that spoken word Let's go to our last topic. Why is Good Friday good? Well, we can understand this a bit better when we look at the criminal. <clears throat> what we read in all the Gospels, but in Luke in particular, is we know Jesus wasn't crucified by himself. In fact, what is noticed is that he was crucified with two other people. And I'm just going to read Luke just to give context for that as well. <clears throat> Luke 23. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him when they came to the place that is called the skull, they were crucified. They, there they crucified him, and the criminals, and one of his right and one of his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. is Christ of God, he is chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription of over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged, at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? Because you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay. Just need to give context here to kind of really call out the significance of this. Um, In that time, capital punishment from the Romans was done in many ways. There are loads of different ways of doing capital punishment, and majority of them were kind of quick deaths, semi-painless in that way because it was quick, and completely away from public view. Crucifixion was none of those. Crucifixion was long. It was torturous. It was a humiliating process. That was done in public, and it was safe for the lowest enemies against the state what you would do is you would literally strip the victim naked get them to carry the 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 sheer wood that they would be dying on throughout the town kind of parading them saying if you are if you do anything against us as a state you will be like this person and we will shame you in front of everyone and they would take them out of the city and they would put up the cross there's many different types of kind of crosses but they would put up the cross And they'd either tie you with rope or put nails in your hands and pin you to it. To the point where you're helpless and naked. So if birds would come down and and chew off your body, or if dogs would come and be by you, or if people were to chuck things at you, or to jeer at you, you would be able to do nothing. There is no way that you can defend yourself. However, majority of time, you wouldn't die if you're bleeding out. You'd die if you're suffocating. Because you wouldn't be able to lift yourself above the point where you can take a breath. It's really important we understand what crucifixion is. And the way that it's done There's a way to make sure that this form of punishment you shouldn't do acts of of crime similar to those who are crucified, because otherwise the same punishment would be put on you. Jesus' form of punishment that the Jewish leaders got the crowd to chant that the people in charge of the court said, do you really think that he deserves crucifixion? And the crowd were saying, yeah, crucify him, crucify him. The Jewish leaders declared it. that's what Jesus went through. Which, by the way, is against the Jewish law in Deuteronomy 21. But like Just for context, crucifixion was against the Jewish law. But yet the Jewish leaders wanted to crucify Jesus. Just to paint it very clearly. Therefore, you have these two criminals who were deemed by the law at that time as the lowest enemies of state. One on one side, one on the other. Picture the context. You have one hanging, saying, Oi, you! Jesus fella! Help us out here! Save us! In, In the midst of his crying of agony and pain, he's calling out to Jesus, Come on then! Do what your name says and save us! And the other one, again, in between the agony and pain, don't imagine it was quiet, by the way. It wasn't quiet, it was agony and pain and cries in that way. The other one goes, we deserve to be here. We should be on the cross here. Not him. And he would have heard everything that was going on. He would have heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He would have heard all the things that Jesus went through. He would have been, he would probably heard more than anyone else. He would have heard more than a centurion, because he's literally next to Jesus, pinned there. And he would have heard it all. And he would have had one moment in, in his final breath of life, and would have gone, I am lost and I am broken. And yet this man has just said, Father, forgive them. Well, I need forgiveness. I don't know what else to do. And so he calls out to the only one that could potentially forgive him. This, this low-life criminal decided to say to the only one who he saw, he thought could forgive him for what he'd done. And he just said, look, just forgive me. Remember me. Please forgive me. In his final moments, he was looking for restoration. Now, I don't know about you, but I was thinking of this when I was praying over these words. And I don't know what was going through his head, but I wonder whether he thought that Jesus wouldn't have said anything, actually. I wonder whether he would have made that statement and then just thought, at least I've said something. At least I declared something and now I'll die as the criminal that I am. And yet Jesus does something remarkable. Jesus does something incredible. He gives this man assurance that he was looking for. In between all the jeering to Jesus, in between all the agony that Jesus was in, Jesus took a moment to say a sentence that radically shaped this man's life forever by saying, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He restores this man. Not only does he restore him to have the joyful presence of Jesus forever, but it starts from today. He doesn't say, well, it's really important because you need to go on this course, you need to do this caveat, and actually you need to live in a certain way to make sure that you can do that. He doesn't say, well, actually you now need to go and do this caveat, we need to pray in this way. He says to him, today you will be with me in Jesus restores the criminal that deserves punishment who's dying next to him. He promises entry into paradise. This might have been the end of the criminal's life in great pain but the pain is about to stop for all eternity as he joins Jesus in paradise. Jesus' death that he was doing right next to him allowed him to make that way in surely is a good day. It surely is a good day. Guess what? We're all the criminal in that story. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short, we've all fallen away. And yet Jesus' death, that sacrifice on the cross was the moment where Jesus could say to all of us, hey, If you believe in me, if you've asked for forgiveness, truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. And guess what? Paradise doesn't start when I die. Paradise started when I gave my life to Christ. Because I get to live with God forever, from now to the end of eternity, which, by the way, is eternity. It is a good day. That's what we're remembering. That's what we're remembering. It changes your life from from performance that you're carrying out to a position that God has placed you as chosen, adopted, saved, loved, free. That's what's happened. It's a good day. It's not a day for us to be sombre about. It's not a day for us to kind of come, come in and to church and maybe in semi-traditional ways just be sombre about it. It's a day that we get to celebrate and be joyful and to remember that Jesus has paid the price. Yes, That's what today is. Yes. That's what today is. That's what today is. And it's an easy decision. It's an easy way in just asking for forgiveness. And saying, Jesus, I put my sin, I put my life on the cross that you died on so that I could be alive and free forever. So very easy prayer. It's A prayer of three words. Sorry, thank you, please. Sorry, Jesus, for what I've done in my life. Thank you that I get to live with you and for you forever. And Please help me, Holy Spirit, to do that. Do you want to stand with me? Let's just stand together. Just reflecting, I've realized that when I was reading this believer's prayer that the course Alpha really helps us with, i realized, actually, it's really important for saying it for the first time. I think it's really important saying it for the hundredth time as well. It's really important that we kind of we calibrate ourselves, we commit ourselves, we steady ourselves on a day like this. So though we might not be taking up communion, I want us to, to pray this prayer together. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read the word and then I will love you either, you know, it doesn't need to be, you can to be quiet, but I would love for you, us, if you are a believer, I would love for us to pray this prayer again, to steady ourselves on this day. But, if you've never prayed this prayer before, and today is a day that you would like to. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And at the end, I'm going to stand at the front. And I would love, I would love for you to come and chat with me. Because the Bible says today is a good day if you pray this prayer for the first time. It's not good Friday by tradition. It's a good Friday due to your faith. So if you pray this prayer for the first time, I would love to speak to you at the end. Okay. You can pray this after me. Lord Jesus Christ I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life please forgive me I I now turn from everything that I know is wrong thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, we take a moment today to remember what you've done on the cross. That gruesome, humiliating death. You being the perfect sacrifice that allowed us a way in and a way home to you. Father, I thank you that we get to praise you. And be joyful in it. To celebrate a new life, a new freedom that comes in Christ. And I pray that we would live as sons and daughters of
1: the living God because you have made the way in. In your holy name, amen.